Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I am your host, Renee Craven, and today we are chatting with Sharon Robson. Sharon is the founder and director of Enterprising Agility, a consultancy that works closely with clients to mobilize their passions for embracing modern working practices. Today, we explore what the future looks like for our workplaces and the behaviors we need to develop today in preparation for that. Please sit back and we hope you enjoy our conversation. Hello, Sharon. Welcome. Hi, Renee. Great to finally catch up. Uh, first question for you today. How did you find Agile? Oh, that's a great start question because it was one of my worst ever management experiences. It was horrendous. I was working at Hewlett Packard at the time and one of my team members came in and said, hey, Sharon, we've got this great new thing that we need to look into. It's going to make our lives amazing. And I said, oh, yeah, sounds good. What is it? And they said, oh, it's, it's this thing called Agile. It's only new. It's only been around for a bit. So this was in the early noughties. Mm. And I just basically looked at this person and I said, get out of my office. We don't do Agile here. We do proper work. Oh, my gosh, it was terrible. And this, this guy was crestfallen. He was like, oh, my, I'm so sorry. Left my office. And I thought, probably not the best management experience you've ever delivered to someone, probably need to look into this thing. So I started to do a little bit of uh, investigation into what is this agility stuff and uh, realised he was right, this is the secret sauce, this is going to make our world a better place, particularly our world because we were a QA team and we were always being squashed at the end. So we spent um, some time bringing it in. I went to him and very humbly apologised and said let's learn more together. And uh, the rest is history. Wow. Pretty much. Mm. Very interesting. That's cool. Um, do you remember our first, the first time we met? No. It was, I don't know what year it was, but um, it was train, a training course. You were delivering a training course uh, of agile testing or I, don't, I can't remember what it was called. Mm-hmm. 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 Um. And at the time, I, the organisation that I was in was the same thing. We were going through a um, I don't know, transition, I guess, into an agile way of working. And we had, um, I was at the time the team leader of the development and the system test team. So I was um, kind of in that role in that you know that's why I was at that training course so I wasn't there as a as a tester but I was definitely um there to learn more so and I like I said I can't remember what year that would have been would have been the 2010 11 something like that about right yeah (laughs) when I was doing those things absolutely yeah so it's been a long time uh, it has when you say it like that. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> um, what have you observed about the role of women in the agile community over the years? Ah, oh, it's been amazing to see the trajectory of women change. Uh, I think, and it mirrors the role of women in IT in general or in technology in general. Uh, the engagement has magnified. And the role of the softer skills that women bring has been amplified as well. Mm. 
So in in agility, I see um, women in particular bringing those teaming skills, those collaboration skills to the fore. And and you've seen it in the Agile community where we're moving further and further away from the hardcore techie stuff, Um, build pipelines and CICD and what are the tool sets we use because there's a proliferation of those and it's, you know, choose your own adventure as far as that path goes. But the core principles of agility are getting more and more pronounced as being the make or break things and women are are bringing that to the fore because that's what they bring Mm, yeah have you noticed I mean I can ask this question to you because we're both in Australia Um, have you noticed much of a difference between the women and agile community in Australia versus the rest of the world The only thing that I would really call out and that I've been aware of is the fact that in Australia we've got women in every part of the teams that we engage with. So I've got senior stakeholders who are women, I've got testers who are women, I've got developers who are women, BAs, project managers, all of those things. So they're throughout the entire team structure. What I have noticed is overseas, it's, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, there's Women tend to be more at the edges of things in other teams that I've noticed, not at the core. So I think in Australia, the women are, are far more central and accepted maybe. Oh, I don't know, it's a hard word because I haven't done that much work overseas. Mm. Yeah, I, I I haven't either. But um, yeah, I always wonder. I always like to gather pers- perspectives of women, like Australian, and, and our experience in in the agile community here versus um, internationally. And I know from a community perspective, for me, um, as you know, I run the I'm one of the f- um, facilitators of the Women Agile Meetup Group here in Brisbane, and uh, you know that's been a a hard five-year slog getting that uh, up and running and even even still it's still a little bit hard to uh, build that momentum um, especially yeah. you know COVID kind of killed it all yeah. <laughs> we had to rebuild again but yeah. um, internationally there seems to be uh, there are there are a lot more um, communities and you, know, you see the the posts online and stuff and there's these massive groups of people women that come together every month or whatever I'm like oh man I wish I could get that kind of community happening um in Brisbane um in in at our meetup it's really it's I don't know what it is it's 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 interesting um oh here's a question for you hmm. do you think it is because women in Australia are are just there anyway it's not special whereas maybe in mm. other communities it is special and there needs to be that um you know that explicit conversation whereas here it's just normal mm, yeah potentially potentially um i mean the, the one of the reasons that we set up that meetup group here in uh, brisbane was to bring the different experiences together it's almost like creating our own little cross-functional team that Uh um, from different experiences in an agile 
world or uh, people who want to know what it is? What's this thing I keep hearing about? Or I, I, I really like it, but I don't know how to get involved in it or I don't know how to get that first role or whatever it is. So um, I think I kind of wanted to create that um, safe environment for people to come together and uh, just talk to each other and understand the different ways they've come into Agile themselves so that they can, you know, others can take that away and, and try that out for, as well. Um, so, yeah, maybe. Maybe it is just because it's a little bit more normal here. It doesn't have to be that special place for it. I'm not sure. Well, having attended one of your sessions, I can say that, it, and speaking about psychological safety, mm. when I did, um, it certainly felt like a safe environment to me. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess, yeah, maybe it is. It's just normal. Mm. We've normalised it mm. in IT in general or in our delivery teams in general, mm. not even in our tech. But maybe just women in the workplace is just normal-ish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, our last couple of meetups. This is kind of you know, tangent here, but our last couple of uh, our last meetup, we did a lightning talk um, oh. format. So we had three speakers, ten minutes, and it was a really hard slog to get three speakers <laughs> to get three people to volunteer for a ten-minute talk, and. Um, I even had to get one of the girls on my organizing team to be the third speaker because I could only get two from the community and one of them was a a seasoned speaker um, and the other one was, you know, has is involved in other things within the community. So it wasn't really um, – a lot of people that I approached or asked – um, they were like, oh, no, no, I don't want to – I don't feel comfortable getting up and speaking. I'm like, it's 10 minutes. You can just give it a crack. It's a safe environment. Um, and no, it wasn't very successful with that. But so we're having – it went so well, though, that people uh -huh. went, oh, that's what, what this is all about. Okay. We're out. And then we had three volunteers at the end of the first one. I went, okay, we're going to run this again. Who wants to speak at the next one? And three people put their hand up. So – um, yeah, we have that in a couple of weeks and it'll, I'm looking forward to just three volunteers from, from the uh, ladies that were there um, doing their 10-minute talk because it kind of all happens. You've got you've to start somewhere and there's no safer place than, um, you know, that kind of environment. So um, hopefully, hopefully it goes well. I hope so. <laughs> um, I hope so, but yeah, keep going. No, you go. Well, I was going to say, I, I guess, you know, the, the challenge that we have there comes down to something that's at the core of agility uh, that we need to really face into as well. Public speaking is a very, very common fear. Mm. People often feel like they can't or that they don't have a valid story to tell mm. or they, they're going to not be um, articulate and it's not going to flow and then people are going to criticise them and, you know, and that comes down to this whole the whole pivot point around psychological safety and women in agility and what they bring. And I think that that teaming skill, that creating of the safe space to contribute is something that women bring to the party very much, um, whether it is the feminine in us or whether it is the 
the lived experience of engaging in the workplace, all of those things, whatever it is, but that's one of the things that we bring is this attitude of inclusivity. Mm. But I think I mentioned when I was speaking to you and and the team when I was there at that time, part of the the psychological safety is um, recognising that a lot of agility is biased towards extroverted, uh, articulate people who are prepared to stand up and say things and deal with the feedback or not expect any feedback. Mm. Um, And, you know, any community, that's a big ask. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I've, I know just thinking about myself, I've spoken at a couple of um, conferences and things like that, but uh, at school (laughs) I was petrified of the public speaking I can't even what was it the oral exam or whatever you had to get up in front of the English class and do something and I used to have every single word written down on my palm cards there was no way that I could just you know have a couple of keywords and remember what the hell was going on um and I was sick and so anxious and sweat you know all of those things like I was never I never comfortable extrovert public speaker or any get up in any kind of crowd um and yeah I don't I don't know what happened like it was just practice I think and I was starting in that safe space and then um getting comfortable with feedback which I think is something that you get more comfortable or you you kind of expect it and you want it um when you discover agile and any kind of professional development you need that feedback and um yeah i think it just kind of grew from there for me i don't know don't don't forget as well that um your comfort with the subject material Mm. also would have grown over time yeah and and i think a lot of people they're concerned that they won't know the answer if someone asks and they, they feel like they can't share a concept if they don't know everything. Mm, mm. And, and whereas um, being on stage or being uh, presenting something and when someone asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, having the confidence to say, good question, mm. no idea. Yep. And, you know, it's like that's that's a feedback loop that we're, we're not programmed yeah. to deal with very often. Yep. but. Um, maybe that's where agility comes into it because how many times are you involved in an elaboration session and someone says, well, what if, insert edge case here, what if this happens and everyone sort of looks at each other and says, oh, Mm. and it's okay Mm. because we're going to go and find it out. But if that happens when you're presenting, a lot of people feel like, oh, my gosh, I've just failed. Well, you haven't, but you think you have. Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, the topic that you have chosen for today is what's coming up in workplaces. Okay. Um, what is coming up in workplaces? <laughs> oh, it's such a rich field. It's such a rich field. Um, I was lucky enough to go to a session last night uh, talking about dangerous ideas and the mixture of agility and education. And it was really good because they were talking particularly about the role of technology. And in the workplace, we've recently had AI 
you know, here we go. Here is the next step. Mm. Um, you know, the World Economic Forum, Fourth Industrial Revolution, new workplaces, all of these things that have been amplified by COVID. We're now working remotely. We're not having to go in day in, day out to the office. And that's a like a foundational shift in how the office works, which then talks about how work works. And I think one of the things that I really wanted, I've been paying attention to a lot here, is how the dynamics of agility have shifted away from those hardcore coding methodologies like TDD and, you know, how do you write your, your BDD correctly? And we're losing those those adjectives that are like correctly and we're moving towards effective, meaningful, um, substantive practices rather than the right way. And I see that happening at work and, and I think that comes down to the proliferation of right ways that exist. There's no one true mm. right way. Mm. So in my opinion, we're starting to see this seminal shift in the workplace, moving away from the turn up, clock in, tap the keyboard, clock out, go home. That's that's not value add. And and to the stage now, we're starting to see that there are machines who can do that. Um, you know, I was talking to a group recently and I was saying, you know, in my humble opinion, um, developers uh, are going to be replaced. Mm-hmm. And you, when you think about, how IT has changed over the past 50 years. It went from developers being the absolute essential part of any delivery framework, software specific. Um, we're now moving away that we can automate that bit. Mm-hmm. We can just tell, you know, chat GTP, write me the code to do the thing. The essence is identifying what's the thing. The thinking skills, the collaborative skills and the problem-solving skills are the skills that we need. Mm. Uh, And they're really powerful skills. And what we're seeing is that there's a a group of people who are able to recognise that and extrapolate from their technical skills into this more ambiguous area uh someone put it last night at this session i was in working in the gray you know being able to move away from the world of absolutes to the world of possibilities and then collaborate around how could we deliver what we need to deliver and focus on the meaningful outcome so humans being meaning makers as opposed to keyboard thumpers Mm. is the big shift that i'm seeing Mm. yeah um, th- those skills, the collaboration and problem solving and, um, you know, getting in a room together and bashing a, a solution out based on the conversation that's happening with your customer in the room, things like that. I mean, that's that's stuff that we've, uh, as agilists, they're, they're the things that well, I have valued um, and they're the things that were always missing for me as a sitting at a computer and coding person. Um, so they're, they're always, for me anyway, they're the ones that have, they're the skills that I've always been trying to build in my teams and in my 
um, team members and it, within the organisations that I'm coaching as well. Um, and they've always been, it's always been a hard slog to get those things happening. And I feel like, you know, I get to a point where, um, depending on how long I work with the teams, but you get to a point where everything's humming and yay, they're having these, making these, ma- these conversations. It's magic, right? It's those warm and fuzzy kind of moments. And then something happens in the world and it all gets reset. It feels like all of those behaviors just get reset and everyone kind of reverts back and not everyone I'm generalizing, but we all, we kind of revert back to that, my, that behavior of just working on my, my own, protecting myself, you know, kind of back at a keyboard, bashing a keyboard based on what something, some, like doing monkey stuff of what someone's actually told me to do. I haven't had to think about it. Um, or talk about my, to my other teammates, you know, that, I don't know, it's, it's scary. And I feel like the whole AI thing, uh-huh. um, <laughs> so my husband's a tester and uh-huh. being a true tester, he's been testing out <laughs> chat GPT. Uh-huh. It is scary what that thing can do. Like, I, I won't tell you what he's got it to do this morning, but oh my God, <laughs> it is so 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 scary and um it like it just feels like it came out of nowhere like I know it's been around for a while but it just feels like it came out of nowhere and we coach this whole VUCA world and you know the rate rate of change and speed of change and we have to keep up with competitors and blah 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 and then all of a sudden it's like holy crap how do we move how do organizations keep up with this how fast that AI technology is moving. And I, I don't know if they can. Ah, see, now, I think we can. Okay. All right. All right. Here's, here's my thesis. The world according to Sharon, all right? So chat GTP is just one example, mm-hmm. okay, because you can basically feed anything in. Write me a story as if Robert De Niro was ordering coffee and it'll do it, mm-hmm. right? So you can you, you can set up all of the preconditions. Now, for the testers in us are going, oh, I see where she's going, <laughs> yeah, all right? And then you get the results and you look at them and you say, oh, my gosh, look at this, you know, look what it did, which is really cool. So it's written you a story in the right tone to achieve the right outcome. That is where we bring work back to being humans because the emphasis has been on efficiency. How many keystrokes per hour? How can we lean down the team? Mm. How can we put um, two minds in the one head so it costs less and how can we get more out the door? So we've had this real tension in agility where we're looking for hyper efficiency forgetting the effective okay so when you think about agility it's about doing the right thing for the right outcome and having those two things identified before you start to get stuck into the how are we going to do it mm. right which is the efficiency ways and and when we start to optimize our systems everyone immediately starts to go and look at uh, time, cost, uh, number of things that have been produced. So you've got the outcome-centric view. Whereas when we start to leverage AI, they do that stuff 
the mechanics very, very quickly. So all of a sudden our efficiencies are no longer important. It's the effective. Are we asking the right questions of our AI? Are we giving it the right instructions? And are we checking it does the right thing? So I've been obviously uh, very uh, conscious of the role of AI and been also perusing the press for all of the places where ChatGTP and others have got it wrong. How many times have they been asked for a thing and they've spat out, spat out weirdness? Mm. Because all it does, right, all those, those AI tools do is they go and scan the known knowledge base and apply the framework that we've given them. That's all they do. They mm. don't think. Mm. They don't analyse. They don't contextualise. And so what's going to happen is that the humans are going to be the thinkers, the questioners, the contextualizers, the meaning makers, and we're just going to get better at it because now we've optimised how the outputs are produced. Yeah. Which is, is a boon. It's a real boon. So... Um, uh, there's a quite a few forums that I'm following and there's like, so there's chat GTP, which is a thing. Uh, you can do the same thing equivalent for presentations. Mm. So you can get a slide deck created. You can get a course created. You can get uh, your social media created. It's, you know, there's so many content mechanical stuff that you can just create literally yep. click of a finger, but it's got to be the right stuff. So it means that we're focusing more on what makes it right. Do I know what right looks like at the beginning? Then we feed that into the beast. With agility, one of the things that we really focused on was the fact that the whole point of about agility is if anyone notices a deviation from expected behaviours or expected outcomes in the process, the expectation was you'd put your hand up and say hey I'm working on this story but I don't think it's going to deliver the value mm. or the approach that we're taking to delivering value isn't actually delivering value so in our retro we we identify we need to change how we're working AI is taking all that away because we've not got that interim feedback loop happening mm. so I think that's going to be a, a seminal change it's going to reduce the collaboration in the delivery stages because mm. we're just going to say go forth and do the thing mm. and we're going to go all the way back to the garbage in, garbage out that we used to have in the olden days. Mm. That's, that's my opinion. Mm, interesting. So you mentioned last night the... Um, meetup what you went to last night uh event it was a cross between education and technology um while you were talking and mentioning those behaviors my brain was thinking well, what do we need to instill in the students of today for when they hit the workplace like how do we build those behaviors in kids um 
so that they have those behaviours when they come into because you know when I went to uni it was that no this is how you code and it's not there was no this is how you speak to people <laughs> this is how you collaborate yeah. was like those those yeah. behaviours and skills weren't taught um, it kind of needs to be the opposite now did that get covered or it on? Did. cool yeah please it certainly did oh yeah it was it was really interesting it was a great conversation uh, yesterday some great presenters. So um, some of the uh, educational professionals who were there that were sharing the insights that they're having, especially, uh, so the impact of COVID has been profound. The shift of the student population to remote has really had uh, a seismic shift again in behaviour patterns that they've noticed. And what they're finding is people are, are returning to schools and they're inarticulate. They cannot talk, mm. literally, they cannot talk. They cannot verbalise, they cannot use vocabulary, they cannot explain, they cannot structure uh, a sentence, they can't collaborate. And one of the, the topics that really uh, leapt up at me last night is the, the phraseology they used was um, stimulate the mind versus cultivate curiosity and tech use of screens and the insular work patterns that we have when you just sit down and it's you and the computer enjoying yourselves or you and the pat the ipad or you and the tv or you know whatever you're using you are actually receiving stimulation okay and what we need to do is cultivate curiosity mm. so our uh, get people learning to ask why why is that a thing not how is that a thing because mm. we're, we're fed and we're, one of the speakers there was talking about micro doses of dopamine so we're fed things that stimulate us and make us feel good without effort and we can get into the habit of that and it's very, very addictive mm. to do things without effort because, you know, our brain likes to sleep. It's, you know, cognitive loads are not things that our brains like mm. unless you train it to like it. Um, and so your brain is quite happy to just switch off and go in neutral. The risk is that we're going to create uh, generations of people who are more than happy in neutral. And we can't have that in the workplace. That's just unsafe. Mm. It's really unsafe. Mm. So the, the other thing that came up, which I thought was really interesting, was um, there was the talk around the structure of education and how education has been structured to help us conform, to conform to rules, to conform to behaviour patterns of, you know, going somewhere and sitting still for a number of hours every day, doing what we're told then going home and doing something different, uh, which is great for work. And, you know, we've all heard that that concept that uh, school was invented to populate the factory so that people would come to work, do what they're told and go home and it was just a training environment. Um, but they really did talk about that and it was fascinating to hear it come from uh, education professionals. That was really, really fascinating. And they talked about how we need to encourage students to become disruptive, to challenge the norm, to challenge the accepted answer. And the fact that things like AI and the use of technology can amplify that because we don't need to remember facts anymore. We can Google mm, it. Mm. 
you know. So mm. I don't have to rely on what's inside my head mm. to um, create a mental model of something. But we can mobilise now our brains to be analysing and evaluating and creating based on those knowledge sets rather than your lower order thinking skills of just being able to remember. So that was really good. So they said they one of the things that they're really looking at is how to shift the curriculums to focus on these skills that I'm talking to you about in the workplace as mm. well. You know, how do we how do we shift the curriculum to focus on these teaming skills? Mm. How do we focus the uh, curriculum to focus on creating a safe feedback environment? You know, learning safety or contributor safety or challenger safety. They're all different types of safety. How do we how do we train people in that? Expose them to it and get them to practice it. Mm. And that's what schools could be. Mm. They could be that that safe harbour for practising the hard skills of collaboration, mm. problem solving, cultivating curiosity. Yep. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. And I was thinking as well, like it's not just the kids, it's the teachers. Um, the teachers need to be skilled and equipped to coach kids yes yes <laughs> through and, and every day that's it. that's it yeah so this is the other shift that we're seeing and now i have a bias towards seeing this because i am a coach mm. right so i'm i'm hyper activated around the word coach and the uh, application of coaching and all these things and i'm seeing in the in the workplace there is an acceptance of coaching as a role and the value of coaching. And for that, I thank Tad Lasso for the amazing <laughs> examples <laughs> and, and reference points that we can all point to and say, well, you believe. Know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Um, but I think that the shift from being an instructor to being a coach at schools or in our education forums is really important because at work there are no instructors. Mm. Okay? We have to learn how do we self-assess, how do we self-moderate uh, activity, engagement, behaviours. Uh, because it's not a teacher who's going to be sitting there saying good job or try harder next time or anything like that. There's, you know, there's there's marketplace conditions where if you are not part of that performing cohort, you are going to be part of the available for next opportunity cohort. Yep, yep. And if we're not preparing kids for that, then we're we're in a world of pain. Mm, definitely. It's, they're coming they're coming through the systems not equipped to deal with working mm. Mm. did you have any teachers at school that you think would be good teachers today of kids as far as kind of going off book yeah yeah i did I, I'll give you a, an example, right? So I, my, for, for lots of reasons, um, my passion is geography, okay? 
I don't know why, but my passion is geography. And I, you know, my first degree was a double major in geography. And, you know, it's just craziness. Anyway, so in year eight at high school, I had a geography teacher. And her approach was, here's an atlas. This week we're doing Africa. Trace Africa and write down all of the countries and their capital cities. I was like, what? <laughs> but we did, right? We did. This is what we did. This is what we did for the entire term. This is what we did. We wow. basically copied out the atlas. Now, at the time, I was like, this is crazy. I am not learning anything. And uh, surprisingly, I can still name a whole bunch of capitals of right. really obscure countries, right? So the knowledge did get in. Yeah. How to use it was the thing that she missed. Mm. Then fast forward uh, two years to the most amazing teacher that I ever had, right? Not only because it was geography but just across the board. So get in to uh, first day of this, of this teacher, Geography 101, and he said, right, so we're going to talk about the water cycle. Okay. And then he said, why? What? <laughs> and he said, why will we talk about the water cycle? And you can see us all sort of go, what's going on here? It's your job to teach. It's our job to listen. And he said, I'm not going to say another word until you tell me why we need to know this. It's like, you know, you could, you could feel brain scrambling. It's like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I'm going to fail unless I can answer this question. Because he didn't. He did not say a word. Mm. For 10 minutes, didn't say a word. And then, you know, someone in the class said, ah, so we don't die? And he said, excellent. <laughs> Tell me how the water cycle relates to us not dying. And it was just, what? And, and he unpacked it mm. from that perspective. Mm. And then someone said, oh, but, but sir, 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 it's, it's not about dying. It's about uh, creating a better place for people to live. And he said, excellent. Tell me how the water cycle relates. This. He still hadn't explained the water cycle. Yeah. But by having that, um, the why, we started to unpack the water cycle. But then we started to say, well, where does water come from? And then what do we do with it? And where does it go? And expand the system view all the way out to the global view. Mm. And then he said, so what assumptions are we making when we start to get this? And we're like, what? Oh, man. <laughs> and then we started hard. To talk. Oh, it was great. This took, yeah, this was a whole term, right? <laughs> but it, it, we, would, we would go away and research the permeability of the atmosphere to see whether or not the water cycle was an open or closed system. This is year 10 students yeah. going away and doing research because we're pretty sure that we're going to get into this classroom and this guy's going to ask us, why? Mm. Why is it a closed system? What makes it? Mm. It's brilliant. Mm. And the difference being was the, the first instance was rote learning. Here's a fact, memorise it. Yeah. The second instance was problem solving. I will give you knowledge to help you solve a problem. What's the problem? Yeah. All right, start with the problem and then your learning will support that. Yeah. And so cool. the curiosity, like mm. by him just asking questions and then you guys questioning him, um, it was that curiosity that kept the conversation flowing as well. It was, it was brilliant. But the, the bad news was that um, 
most of us in that class were then in the next class, which was physics, and we used to go and break our physics teacher um, because we would take the approach from that course, that class, and then go into physics. And the physics teacher would say, so the universe is expanding, and we'd say, why? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I was thinking this before, right? If, you, if, you wanna, if we want to create these kids and teach them behaviours of collaboration and curiosity and asking questions and problem solving, then the teachers need to have not the answers, but they need to be able to participate in the conversation and at least exactly. ask another question. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. And I think another skill to add to your list or behaviour to add to your list is, is systems thinking as well because it is, uh, it's a, it still amazes me how much that doesn't exist in organisations. Um, and, yeah, so I think the more, yeah, especially in our training courses and we'll have systems thinking as a core skill and they'll go, what's that? I'm like, and then yeah so it's just it's just fascinating that that is still something that is relatively unknown um in a lot of organizations and how they all feed off each other to create the result whether that's a good thing or a bad thing that they um are seeing uh so yeah that'd be good that'd be another good skill to teach those 100 percent. Mm. and as you say when we teach it in the classroom with adult learners they're, they're just like blown away. This is so powerful. Why didn't I know this 30 mm, years ago mm, type stuff? Yeah. Mm, mm, yes. So fast forward 10 years, Where, where's, where's the, uh, what's the workplace going to look like in 10 years according to Sharon? It is going to be, I won't say totally different, but I think the emphasis on what happens in the workplace will change. We've seen it uh, with the whole remote working approach where you go to the office for your collaboration days, you stay at home for your individual work days. I think that's going to become more and more apparent, but I think we're going to understand the value of collaboration more and we're going to be seeing more and more tools, techniques and platforms around collaboration mm. and it's seeing the whole of the solution, not just my bit. So I think that's going to happen. So back to your systems thinking, I think we're going to see a lot more of those things. And I think that there is going to be far more emphasis on problem solving rather than order taking. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I have a couple of questions for you just to close out our conversation. Um, what, what are you doing for your own professional growth? Uh, uh, so I've just started for whatever reason. I'm not sure what it is at the moment. <laughs> um, so I'm doing my master's in business psychology. Mm. So I'm learning about how organisations think and act. Uh, a lot of agility is based on psychology and, and the principles of behaviour patterns and tapping into the fundamental structures of our brain to allow us to really learn and contribute well. Uh, a lot of the behaviors associated with agility the events the ceremonies the tools we use they're all psychological tools to help create psychological ownership collaborative working you know psychological safety inclusivity all those types of things so I, i'm really curious about why 
they're so powerful and how do we amplify those at the collective whole. Mm. So looking for the bigger picture of how do we apply that at organisation level as opposed to individual level. So that's what I'm doing right now. It's fascinating, (laughs) absolutely fascinating, but there's a lot of introspection that comes with it. So it's it's quite (laughs) confronting sometimes. That that might be a bottle of wine kind of activity, that one. Yeah, but then you ask yourself, why? Why am I having a wine? Why am I doing <laughs> Thank you, grade 10 ge- uh, geography teacher, for preparing me for this moment. Yes. Um, what final wisdom would you like to share with our listeners today? Uh, it's about participation. You know, give it a go, engage whole with the whole of you. It's You can't lip service this stuff. You can't lip service work. You can't lip, lip service your family. You know, commit, give it a go. And when it comes to being a woman in the workplace, you know, bring your whole self to work. Don't try and pretend to be a man. And when it comes to, um, or anyone else, don't try and pretend to be anyone else. And when it comes to um, working in an agile environment, you know, be gentle with yourself and be gentle with others. Be a good person. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for your time today, Sharon. It's great talking to you. I really enjoyed it. That was a real pleasure. Thank you. Me too. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit and Scrum.org. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a co-worker about the podcast. Please go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiative and find more inspiring podcast conversations.